Welcome to Sex on the Floor podcast. This podcast was created to help educate the public about problems with sex and intimacy and how this is tied to both physical and mental aspects. Hosted by myself, Dr. Molly Hart, a passionate pelvic floor physical therapist and owner of Pelvic Balance Physical Therapy, and by Dr. Katie Schubert, a phenomenal sex therapist and owner of Cypress Wellness Center. We are here to have a good time. We're here to keep it real with you all and to educate along the way. I'm so excited for you to join us. We strive to help many relationships prosper in fun, safe, and healthy intimacy. While listening to the show, please remember that this information is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. Hello, welcome back to Sex on the Floor podcast. This is Dr. Molly Hart. And I'm Dr. Katie Schubert. So guys, um, if you've been following our episodes, you'll see that we've been doing a postpartum series. Um, well, not postpartum, pregnancy, pre-pregnancy, postpartum series. So we've already talked about things to look at before getting pregnant, during pregnancy. And then today's episode is really going to focus on postpartum, both from a physical standpoint. So me viewing it as a pelvic floor PT, and then we're going to let Dr. Katie really go into the emotional psychological aspect of the postpartum journey, which is, it's a lot, both realms Woo, buckle up. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful journey for us as women, but it is a massive, whoa, massive um, life transition with an incredible amount of growth. I think I, this is so silly because I'm not referencing this from anything in scientific, but I think Katie, I was watching something on Netflix and it was saying like the, the amount that changes in the brain, the growth of the brain during the postpartum period is astronomical. Yeah. I believe I, it. I don't know. I'm like, there's, there's a Netflix series about it. I can't even think of the name, <laughs> but the point is we're going to talk about this um, and really help give you guys some guidance as far as like what to look for. And then how can we address these things? I don't want you to think that you're stuck in these hard situations. I think it's important to understand the beauties and challenges that come with being postpartum. And there are resources, there are ways to help out. You don't need to be stuck in a postpartum body or a postpartum mind that is not creating a life that you are wanting to live. And, and I do know that a lot of women do sometimes fall into that trap because they don't understand the resources available to them. So this is a free resource, thankfully, and we're hoping to give you guys a lot of information. So postpartum, there's two choices. The baby's coming out, either vaginal birth or you're having a C-section. Um, there's a lot of different opinions about which one is better, this and that. Here's, here's my opinion. They're both wonderful because the baby has to come out. No matter what, the baby is coming out of your body. And no matter what, it's coming out in a way that is really shitty. If I'm being honest, like why we're designed this way. I have a lot of questions for the man upstairs. Um, the <laughs> vagina, yes, it's, it's designed to birth a baby, but it's, it's a lot of tissue damage that's going to occur. C-section, a lot of tissue damage. So no matter what happens, whether you have this perfect vaginal birth or you have an emergency C-section, your body, physical tissues has gone through tremendous trauma. That is really important to understand. Um, so we have to view the body, not like it's, it's funny. Cause it's like, if somebody had their knee blown up, 
if somebody had like their shoulder dislocated, you would go to a physical therapist and you would rehab, not even a big deal. But then we have women where this whole human after 10 months of carrying the baby and their whole body changing and shifting weight and increasing blood volume and all, I mean, there's already 10 months of change, let alone now we also have injury. And then we're just like, okay, go home with the baby and be sleep deprived and do all these things. And for, and like, nobody's talking about what you need to do for the human body. I do this for a living. Just a little side note with my daughter's birth. Um, first off, I sustained a horrible pelvic floor injury because of vacuum assistance. I couldn't get her out and it fell off of her. It's popped off of her head onto my right pelvic floor and then popped off and created a massive second degree tear along the whole right side of my pelvic floor. I did do my entire happy bee formula program that I have on myself. And it took me six months to, to heal from that. They stitched me up so bad. Me being a weird public floor PT day one went and looked in a mirror at all my whoa tissues. Cause let me tell you ladies, it's a lot. When you look at your tissues after you've had a vaginal birth, it does shrink back and it does come back and look, you know, nice and beautiful again, but just know it's a lot. And they did a horrible job. And I had to actually tell the nurse to come in I said, tell the, the GYN, they need to come in here and fix this. There's extra skin hanging. And they're like, what? They literally discounted me, told me, no, no way. He came in, me being me. I was like, oh, are you here to clip my vagina? I literally said that <laughs> to the GYN. And uh, he's like, oh, wow, you're right. There really is some tissue here. And so he had to, now if I hadn't told him that day one or two, you want to know what happens to my patients who don't catch this because they're not looking at the vagina? Um, it ends up creating what's called like a tail on the perineum and they have to go in later and be put like they, it's a whole procedure. Now you can't just have it cut off because it's not this acute tissue injury. And I'm not saying this to scare you. What I'm saying is there's a lot of stuff going on. They discounted me. No one ever, ever did any, ask me any questions about me. I was told I wasn't allowed to come in for my six week checkup because it was during COVID. I had to literally hound my midwife group. When I say hound, I, cause I'm a strong personality. I was like, heck no, I'm coming in. You guys are looking at my vagina. I had to <laughs> beg them to come to, as I was like, I'm not healing. Like there's something wrong. I need you to look. I can only look so much myself. So most women aren't going to be this knowledgeable and educated and, and ask. So we're not getting almost anything for our body postpartum. Everything is focused on baby. And so I'm saying this because you want to know who your people are postpartum, your pelvic floor PTs whether it's online or in person, we've got you and you need to be remember like you matter, your body matters. And you, the sooner you understand about your body and the postpartum journey, um, and the more you start to just do very small things, you can make a huge difference in how quickly your body functions in the way that you want it to function, especially if you've sustained a serious pelvic floor injury or complication from a C-section delivery. I already have a question. Go, go. So let's say that you have a client and they have a vaginal delivery and are stitched up in a similar way and are in the hospital. Will you go to the hospital and do an exam and give feedback? I never have, but I would if somebody wanted me to. Okay. That's so, I love that you asked that. How sad that that's not done. Exactly. That's, 500 yeah. million tests. Everyone's coming in your room for the baby. No one's like, Hmm, let me look at your vagina and see how it's healing after you just birthed this whole human baby out of it. Mm -hmm. I'm serious. Like that's, 
why is that even a question? <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, it, it sounds like that's the time to catch it. That's the time to catch it. There should be somebody coming in after and seeing like, let's see how, because right after birth, you know, they're trying to do their best, but yeah, before you get discharged, I think that things should be looked at. I know that GYN comes in, the OBGYN and does a discharge, but they don't look at you at my place. They never looked at me. They only looked at me after I begged them to look at me (laughs) and kind of made me feel like I was an idiot. Like he was surprised. I was right. (laughs) Anyways. Um, postpartum it's really important to understand whether you had a c-section or a vaginal delivery you still have to rehab your pelvic floor a lot of people think oh i had a c-section i don't have to worry do you have less to worry about with a c-section i would say yes because you know the pelvic floor didn't go through as much trauma but the pelvic floor still held this baby in so much weight for a long long time and so it's been very stretched and it has been weakened and so we know from the research it is imperative to start kegels day one, like right out the gate, you want to start doing pelvic floor exercises. Um, I have a, I have a free resource called Kegel, Kegel 101 handout on my website. And it literally is a 12 week guideline of how to go about doing your Kegels. So it's really important to understand this is a really acutely injured tissue. You have to be very careful with doing any type of exercise with it. So you're not going to go do a bunch of Kegels, you're going to do a very small amount and you're going to want to do them lying down and sitting in the very start of, of your journey. And then you slowly want to progress that. And so that 12 week guideline, just follow that. If you want something as a guideline, um, when you first start doing Kegels in the very beginning, you might not feel that you're doing anything at all. Like there might be no movement in the pelvic floor. There might be zero sensation that you're even aware of. And even after a C-section, you're so numb in the lower abdomen area. Again, you might not feel what you're doing, still do them. Because what we know is when I hook up my patients to biofeedback is you actually are getting a little bit of a reading and you're training the nervous system to talk to that muscle, to talk to that muscle, to recruit, to recruit. We do the same thing after a knee surgery with your quad. So if you go to see public floor, uh, sorry, a physical therapist, after you have a knee procedure done, you'll come in and if the quad, this front leg muscle isn't firing, which happens sometimes, we're doing a lot of things to try to get them to fire that muscle, which we call a quad set. If they're struggling, we'll, we'll do something called Russian or like a TENS unit on there to help kick it on more. We don't need to be doing that with, with the pelvic floor, but you just want to be communicating to that muscle that will help it heal so much better. And it'll help increase the strength and help the nerves that are, that are innervating it and sending messages back up to the brain. It helps them to really reconnect a proper and a healthy connection. Now, when you're doing these, you might feel sore. In fact, expect to feel a little bit sore. A little bit sore is okay. A lot of it sore, not okay. So let's say you do the Kegel program, you're following the handout, and the next day you're really sore. Um, you probably did too much. And you might, you might be like, I only did 10 of them. Doesn't matter, it was too much. I remember when I was postpartum with my daughter, I would do five and I, my muscles would be like, whoa the nervous system, it wasn't the muscles, the nervous systems were like, whoa, this is okay, back off girl. And so I could only do five in the beginning. And little by little, I would start to slowly build up what I was able to do. If you're struggling with this, again, go see a pelvic floor PT, a pelvic floor PT will give you a very set protocol based upon your specific um, function where you're at. So the handout is just a a general guideline. But if you have the money and the privilege, because it is a privilege to come see a pelvic floor PT, 
um, go do it because you're, oh my God, your body will thank you. Research shows if you work with a skilled pelvic floor PT to rehab your body postpartum, we see, we see positive benefits 40, 50 years later versus if you don't work with a pelvic floor PT because you're training the nervous system and you're, you're protecting it. Women now in their sixties and seventies never had pelvic floor PT for the most part. Uh, If you find somebody who has, that's a rarity. So you want to know what happens with them? They're all having significant bladder issues and stress incontinence and urge incontinence. And they're getting those bladder sling procedures done because they never rehabbed. But when we rehab postpartum, our body relatively quickly, and if, if it's been 10 years since you've been postpartum, you can still do it. It's never too late. But the sooner you do it, where it really matters is it massively protects us as women when we get to be in our late 50s, for sure 60s, absolutely in our 70s. So we might not have as, in the beginning, we might just have a little bit of leaking here and there when I cough, laugh, and sneeze. Um, or maybe I have a little bit of discomfort with intercourse, or maybe I have a little bit of urgency. And it's not enough for us as women to stop our busy lives and stop all of our caregiving roles and be like, hmm, maybe I should take care of myself. Maybe, maybe I should work on this. It's a, it's just there. Well, that just there means there is significant weakness and that just there means it's going to keep getting worse and you better buckle up for your sixties. Cause you're going to have some serious um, concerns dealing with the bladder. If you don't address this now, the body is just going to keep deconditioning. It's not like as we get older, the body just gets stronger and stronger. It, it doesn't. So working with a skilled pelvic floor PT, we know, helps protect you now, but it also has this really prolonged protective benefit to it. Um, For those who cannot afford the care, that's where these um, handouts and these online courses I have are very beneficial for um, trying to to fill the gap between the socioeconomic divide we see with women who are able to get really good care and women who are not able to get good care. Um, Okay, my little tangents, I could go on for hours about this. trying to pack in a lot of information and um, a quick time frame because most of you are moms and you don't have time. I, I know your lives. <laughs> Katie and I know your lives well. <laughs> so the other things you want to look out for, um, for strengthening, why, why that's important is we want to prevent what we call that stress incontinence. So we don't want to see you leaking urine when you cough, laugh, sneeze, um, when you start to run or jump or do physical exercise. Do expect a little bit of stress incontinence, you know, the first four to eight weeks when you're healing your, your tissues take around six to eight weeks to heal, no matter what tissue it is. So don't expect to see perfect perfection within that time frame. Just understand you're in a very strong state of healing. Your tissues are repairing. You want to help them repair properly. And so after eight weeks, if you've been doing this and you're still leaking, that's when I would say please really start a program or go find a a pelvic floor PT. So that's stress incontinence. We don't want to deal with that. Um, Little side note, uh, those of you who are more intensive athletes, you might not leak with a cough, laugh, sneeze, and you might only start leaking when you start running again or doing jumping. Um, And so I call these my high, my high functioning postpartum women. You guys are not ever going to stop stress incontinence. I shouldn't say these black and white statements. The likelihood of you having uh, the likelihood of you decreasing stress incontinence with running and stuff, if that's happening, which is a basic Kegel program, which is what my Kegel one-on-one is. It's it's doing it lying down, sitting and standing. It's not going to cut it for you. That will stop stress incontinence with a cough, laugh, sneeze, like more stationary things with a lot of intra-abdominal pressure. 
if you're leaking with these high level movements, then you really want to work with a pelvic floor PT because then I'm going to give you a completely different program and I'm going to use biofeedback with you, which is a program. I have these little electrodes connected to your perineum externally. It connects to my computer and I can see what output we're getting from the pelvic floor. And I train you how to really recruit that pelvic floor with a squat, with a deadlift, with, um, um, something like a plank with bicep curls, tricep dips, um, skull crushers, all these different things. So that way we can get massive recruitment. And that's how, for me, I have found clinically, I can get women who are these high functioning women to postpartum to not have any leakage issues. So that's stress incontinence. Now let's talk about prolapse concerns. So what is a prolapse? Pelvic organ prolapse. So I'm going to show you some pictures real quick. So if you're listening to this, um, make sure to log on to our YouTube channel, what's being displayed here on the screen. Yeah, if you and want to kind of reference that. So this is anatomy without a prolapse. So I want to go over this picture right here. Katie, you can see this, right? Yeah. So here's our vagina. It's right in the center. And then on the front side is our bladder and on the back side is our rectum. So our vagina sits right between the bladder and the rectum. It's a very... Uh, interesting design <laughs> and then the cervix and the uterus sits right up here for those of you who may be like oh I have a retroverted uterus that just means the uterus instead of sitting here it's just sitting backwards this way but still the body can adapt to that anyways different types of prolapse after we have a, a vaginal birth typically is the more vaginal births you have the higher the risk goes up of having a pelvic organ prolapse. I will say C-sections are somewhat protective of this, but they're not fully protective of it by any means. So we can have what's called a cystocele over here, which is where the bladder actually comes into the front vaginal wall. And so when you see this happening, um, you'll see at the very top of the vagina, you'll see some tissues right there and it's just kind of dipping down. There's different stages of prolapse this one right here doesn't go into the different stages. This is a very severe prolapse, just so you know, when you're looking at this, because it's, it's actually coming out of the vaginal opening. Um, but there's stage one, two, three, and four. And most women are not here until you get to your 60s and you have done no rehab. That's when we start to get these stage four out of the vaginal opening prolapses. Rectoceles, where the rectum is coming into the back wall of the vagina. And so again, if we're looking at the vagina, you'll see the back side of the vagina, you'll see like this, this um, extra tissue kind of bulging up into the vaginal wall. This is a problem when you also um, are trying to have a bowel movement and or if you deal with constipation. Typically, you see a lot of this with people who have constipation, regardless of, of birthing. Um, and then sometimes with birth, we will see this as well, which is it can make having a bowel movement more difficult because now instead of the bowel coming out of the rectum through here, and now it's just kind of pocketing in here that can happen. So women will have to do something called stinting where they actually put their fingers back in the vaginal canal to, to um, put pressure on the back wall of the vagina. So that way, when they are bearing down, have a bowel movement actually comes out of the rectum here versus just kind of sitting here. Um, again, I don't want this to be something that scares you. This is stuff that can happen. Again, it is, it is something we can rehab with pelvic floor PT if it's caught early enough. So with prolapse, all of this stuff can be rehabbed well if it's caught early enough, but if it gets really significant, then you do have to have um, surgery done to repair these. Okay. This one right here is a uterine prolapse coming down. 
We can also have a vaginal vault prolapse coming down. So this is women who've had hysterectomies. They tack up that top wall of the vagina and it can also kind of vault down. And then the last one, I'm gonna ignore this one. We don't need to worry about this. This is super uncommon. One that's not on here is called a rectal prolapse. You'll see this a lot postpartum. And so that's actually where at the rectum, you'll see tissues coming out. So you'll see like a little bit of pink tissues on the other side of the sphincter. And a lot of people think, oh, I've got hemorrhoids. It's not hemorrhoids. If you're seeing a large amount of pink tissue, it's no, it's, it's just the rectal tissues that have gone past the external sphincter. And honestly, if you take your finger, you can push it back up in. And then as you strengthen the pelvic floor, you're strengthening that sphincter and that'll help keep that tissue back up in there. These are all, by the way, I, I do think I'm going to stop sharing this. I think if you are pregnant and having a baby, it's really important to understand, like, just expect you're going to have a little bit of prolapse. That's just my opinion. Um, I just don't know that many women are going to have a baby with all of the stretch, like things are going to stretch and move. Your connective tissue is getting lengthened. Um, and it's not a big deal as long as it's like a stage two type prolapse. I'll personally share, and I have no shame sharing this. Like I definitely probably have a stage two cystocele, a stage two rectocele. I for sure had a rectal prolapse with both of my births. Oh my goodness. And I'm fine now. Like I, the rectal prolapse is no longer an issue because I've strengthened my pelvic floor and the, um, the other two prolapses. So the bladder coming down and the rectum coming up, they don't affect me negatively in any way, shape or form. I'm just aware of it. Cause I'm a pelvic floor PT. Um, but some women might be upset by that. They see this tissue. They're like, Oh my God, my vagina looks different. I would say it's just kind of part of the, the changes that we have to anticipate with having a baby is like, things are going to be stretched out more. Um, things aren't going to, we're not going to have the exact same body, but you can still have a really healthy, wonderful functioning body. And we want to make sure we strengthen the pelvic floor muscle because that's the number one support tissue for all of those organs. I just went over with you. Thank God. So you've got the muscle supporting it and you've got connective tissue. Um, connective tissue is like the plastic around a soda bottle. So think about it. When you stretch that, it doesn't come back. It's not elastic. Connective tissue is not elastic. So once I get stretched with birth, that's why we see these certain degrees of prolapse, but muscles, thank God are elastic. And so we can really make that stretched out rubber band muscle. We can make it have a really nice, strong, beautiful muscle tone again, and it can really support us well. And it's the only thing that we have to naturally support ourselves. So postpartum rehab, why do we want to strengthen our pelvic floor? We're really trying to prevent stress incontinence, and we're really trying to prevent prolapse, especially as we get older in life. The last thing I really want to go over postpartum just with our time today is, um, let me share my screen again, is something called diastasis recti. I'm sure some of you guys who are on here have heard of this before because it gets a lot of social media attention. So as we're pregnant, um, you know, the belly is expanding outwards and there's this tissue down the middle here. This is called your linea alba as we come down here. So all of all four of your abdominal muscles, so that's your, your rectus abdominis, internal obliques, external obliques, transverse abdominal muscle, all of them attach at this midline called your linea alba. And as we get pregnant, you'll see it's already got a natural gapping right here around the belly button. So most women, after they have a baby, like if they're going to have a diastasis or what we call a gapping here, um, when I say gapping, like it can be, it has to be at least two fingers where I can stick my fingers in between that tissue there between the two rectus abdominal muscles. So right where this little mouse is, um, 
most women are going to have it around the belly button because it's already naturally got a little bit more of a gapping here. So as we get pregnant and this expands, this expands and women who don't have good strength in their abdominal muscles and or good mobility in their abdominal muscles, they're going to be at much higher risk of having a diastasis recti. I'm sure there is also a genetic component to this as well. So this is a diastasis around an umbilicus you can see here. And so around the belly button, there's a pretty wide gapping between the two rectus abdominal muscles. The rectus abdominal muscles, think about the six pack. So, right, like we've got this like chiseled six pack. Think about between the two rows, there's a big gapping between them. Here's one over here. It shows below the belly button. Here's one from like the rib cage down. This one right here that I'm showing, that's the most prevalent one I would say I see in this one right here. Really all three of these, I guess. So this is something that can absolutely be addressed with postpartum rehab. Um, in my course, I have a course called the Postpartum Mama and Baby Workshop. I have a whole video on diastasis and how you can repair this and how to keep it protected. Ways to prevent diastasis, having better core strength before you're pregnant, working your core during pregnancy, it's also really important that you have good mobility in your core. So I know people who have had incredible strength in their, in their core and they still get a bad diastasis because their tissues are not used to stretching ever. So these are women who really hold their stomach in a lot. They don't ever want to show that, you know, the belly, the female belly can sometimes protrude some, um, and they're not doing enough front body stretches. So that would include like a Cobra, um, anything at all that allows for stretching of the front side of the body, doing that actually while you're pregnant to so like a cat cow, and then taking a lot of deep breaths in, you'll feel it stretching the abdomen. That's a really good thing actually. So if we do this slowly and in control, where we're engaging the whole pregnancy, we're really engaging our muscles and we're stretching them, you can massively prevent diastasis recti. So <clears throat> there's that postpartum, if it's less than two fingers, we don't technically call it a diastasis recti. Diastasis recti is two fingers or more of a gapping between those two rectus abdominal muscles. And another thing that I call it is, is it functional or non-functional? And so a non-functional diastasis recti, what that means is the linea alba tissue, it cannot create good tension. So when you engage the core, you're not getting good tension within that. Like think about saran wrap, you know, tightening and having good tension. What that allows for when there's tension there is it's very protective and it allows the core to, to function the way we want it to. When it's non-functional, what you'll see is that you'll get a doming, like, like almost like a little hot dog doming outwards, or sometimes there's no doming, but I can easily like just stick my hand in, in, in like this little crevice here. Like there's just no tension and I can go inward. So you can see an outward doming or you can see an inward, it's like there's nothing there. Um, why is that a problem? It affects the way the core is recruiting. So it's going to be more difficult to rehab the core. And more importantly is, is it is putting you at risk for a hernia. So this is a thinning, a diastasis recti is a thinning of the linea alba, but it is not a hernia. A hernia is where there's actually an opening in the linea alba. And now abdominal contents can actually come through that opening. So it's very different to understand what a diastasis is and what a hernia is. 
Um, and again, why we want to really work on a diastasis is we're trying to protect you from it getting worse and also creating a hernia. A hernia is something that you really do have to, at that point, surgically have repaired. Um, it doesn't have to be repaired right away. As long as it's not causing any significant issues, women can get away with, with not having it repaired right away. But it is something that you're going to want to consider having done at some point. Um, why it's a problem is if abdominal tissues come through that opening, it can kind of restrict them and cut off blood flow. And so that's not good for our tissues when they have a lack of blood flow and it can make the tissue necrotic is what we call it, where it's going to start to slowly kill that tissue. That's obviously not okay. So diastasis recti is the other big thing you're going to want to look for postpartum. And the last little thing I'll talk about with this is uh, women who are shorter and their babies are, are up higher. They're like, oh my God, my baby's in my rib cage. Um, they're going to get a gapping of these rib cage. The, the rib cage is literally going to gap outwards. And some women might even notice that they're like, it feels like I'm bigger here. Well, you are because the, the abdominal muscles all connect to the rib cage. And so when the abdominal muscles are weak, it does allow that rib cage to kind of expand outwards. Well, that will contribute more to like something like this diastasis up here, where you see it's happening from the rib cage all the way down to the belly button. And so again, I talk about this in my postpartum mom and baby workshop. There's the same thing that we're going to do for diastasis. We're going to do to actually allow for rib, the ribs to kind of go back in place and help the abdominal muscles then have a better ability to recruit muscles. Love muscles like to be at a mid midway point. They don't like to be overly stretched. They can't recruit well. So when the rib cage is flared like that and we have a diastasis, it's making it very difficult for the abdominal muscles to recruit easily. So when we put some compression, I have a taping technique and I have a bracing technique I use. We put compression on the rib cage and we compress this, this diastasis and, and you, with a brace or with taping, it allows the abdominal muscles to easily turn on. And now I can rehab the core easier and I can also close up this gap a little bit and, or maybe I don't close it, Maybe I at least make it functional and give it some really good tension. So that's the goals with um, diastasis recti and things to really be looking for postpartum. Um, there's a lot of other things postpartum that we could get into, but these are the key things um, that I that I kind of want to address today. Any questions that you have right now, Katie? What boggles my mind is how little I know about what you're talking about. And I've had three babies. <laughs> It's like we get no education about what our bodies do or how they could need help post-pregnancy. Nobody yeah. talks to, you know, our OBs don't talk to us about this. Very few people, you know, know that they should and can go get assistance from a public floor yeah. PT. And then it's you'll see too, like what's, what frustrates me is, and this is, so public floor PTs, our healthcare providers are, are so bad at marketing a lot of the times, but then you've got these coaches out there who are really good at marketing. And I've had people take my course who bought other postpartum courses. And they're like, wow, like the stuff you go over, I never learned any of this in my course. Cause there's, their course is just so baseline. They're okay. But I like, I get into th this type of stuff in my course and it's not long videos. I made my videos so short. Cause I know moms don't have time. But just like, listen, this is your body. Understand it. Know it. Have control. Have power over it. Um, and there's other stuff like pubic symphysis pain. There's SI joint pain. That's a really important thing to address postpartum if you're having pain. Um, but again, I go into all of that in my workshop. So if you are interested in that, last thing I'm going to share, and then I'm going to shush so Katie can go 
<laughs> is so if you come to my website pelvicbalancept.com and you go to courses and products you scroll down you'll see postpartum mama and baby workshop um this is a $2,500 value, but I only charge $49 for it now because I am trying so hard to get mamas this information. If you hit learn more, it'll go through what is in the course and for you to be able to purchase it. But let me show you what the course actually looks like. So when you go to my website, there's a little login button here. And you can log in from there. You can also download an app called Kajabi onto your phone and you can do all of this all on your phone, which is wonderful. So here's postpartum, postpartum mama and baby workshop. If you view the product on here, I go through walking program, which is vital to your rehab, taking care of our mama V. So this is if you had a vaginal birth, like very important things to make sure you're helping the tissues heal properly. Time to massage that that, that V, vagina or C-section scar. So if you've had any tearing at all at the vaginal tissues, Kegel 101, bringing it all together with exercise. Here's my pubic synthesis um, information, my diastasis recti info. And then let's make sex fun again. I actually go into how to properly reintroduce intimacy with your partner. Um, because a lot of the times people are, are like, oh, six weeks, I can have sex again. And I would tell you, no. <laughs> Like we need to be really careful about that. Um, your tissues are still healing. I didn't have sex until I was at least at eight weeks. And even then I was like really slow and cautious. And I go into a lot of that education here. Here's an exercise program. If you are somebody who hasn't been really exercising much, you're going to start at the beginner program. And then you're going to go through this moderate routine. It's a 12 week long program. At the bottom, I partnered up with a pediatric physical therapist. And she goes over really fun ways to connect with your baby and ways to help them with their gross motor skills while you're working out ways to help massage them and just really cute, wonderful pediatric aspects for your baby. So I put this in the course because, um, moms often won't do things for themselves, but they'll do it for their baby. So you get both in the course, you get something for you, but you also get a lot for your baby. So if you want more information postpartum, than we talked about in this podcast episode, I am just going to direct you to that course. And then you can email me with any questions you have. Um, and then if you're having more specific questions that you want to address, go get an eval with a pelvic floor PT near you and then use that information to cater to the program that you already have. It's a wrap. Okay, guys. I know that was a lot. This is a little bit longer of an episode. Um, if you need any additional resources, you can go to Cypress Wellness. You can go to Public Balance PT. And if you guys have any questions, of course, you can shoot us over an email at info sex on the floor at gmail.com. <laughs> it'll be in the it'll be in the description. <laughs> Bye guys. <laughs>